0: Welcome to Business Book Talk, the best place to discover great business books. Bob Garlick has talked to over 400 authors, and his questions and comments always get you the best information about the book, the author, and the ideas behind each book. So let's see who Bob's talking to this week. Hey
1: everybody, it's Bob again. I've got Fix It, Getting Accountability Right, 240 Solutions. To your toughest business problems and I've got Marcus Nichols with me today and uh, he's one of the authors there, there's a bunch of authors here. there's Roger there's Tom there's uh, Craig and there's Tracy we're also part of this book so to get the interview started uh, Marcus let's talk a little bit about these guys and then we'll jump into the book
0: yeah so um, Roger Connors and Tom Smith are the founders of partners and leadership our organization founded that in the late 80s, and uh, the two of them have actually produced quite a number of books, one that many people have heard of called The Oz Principle, which they wrote along with Craig Hickman, one of our co-authors here, originally uh, published back in 94, and subsequently 10 years later, a 10-year anniversary issue of that book, and it's been kind of a seminal book in the marketplace. Uh, Back when that book was first published, there was scant material about accountability in particular. And we've, Roger and Tom, really um, kind of created this niche in the marketplace where there's this singular focus on getting accountability right. And so uh, that book came out in 94, a number of years after the firm was originally started, but we've now been nearly 30 years focused on this topic of uh, accountability and culture together. And the two are are really, you know, you don't have one without the other uh, in a lot of senses when you're talking about accountability and culture in the most positive and useful sense. So Roger and Tom uh, drove this. They've written, you know, this is Fix It is is the fifth of their works in the marketplace. So uh, Craig Hickman, like I said, joined Roger and Tom in the production of the initial Work the Oz principle, and then Roger and Tom are the the authors of our other our other works. Change the culture, change the game. How did that happen? Uh, the wisdom of Oz, and then finally fix it. Tracy Skousen also joined us on that. Tracy has been with Partners in Leadership for about twenty years. He's the uh, president of our international, um, another senior partner in the organization, as I am. So that's the the, the round out of our author list here.
1: And quite a round out too, wow. Um, I want to just touch on The Oz Principle because um, probably one of my first questions is going to be like, is this the book you read after reading The Oz Principle? So, so is is The Oz Principle the first book you should read out of all these books or can you jump and just go to, oh, I want to just read The Wisdom of Oz?
0: Yeah, that's a that's a good question. So let me give you just a, a, a little two cents on that. The Oz Principle is is a book that is, is squarely focused on getting results through individual and organizational accountability. And it, it's really it's really interesting. I mean, who who'd have thought anyone could put out a book about accountability and make it a number one bestseller? Let alone five. <laughs> so. Uh, I mean, accountability, when you start talking about that, it almost sounds about as much fun as an audit. But really, you know, when you, when you think about accountability, being personally accountable is a really good thing, and no one disagrees with that. But um, So I'll talk about the sequence of what might be useful in reading these books, but let me ask this question real quick. I'm going to ask a rhetorical question. Sure. Um, if I asked you... Bob, and I want people just listening to think about this as well. If I asked you, are you an accountable person? What would you say?
1: Oh, absolutely.
0: Absolutely. You know, we've asked that thousands of times. Um, 99.9% of the time you get some version of yes, of course I am. Let me ask you this now, Bob. When you think back on your experience in organizations over your career, had you ever found yourself looking around the organization and thinking to yourself, Boy, we could sure use some more accountability around here.
1: Oh, absolutely.
0: Also, absolutely, right? So, here's the thing how does this work? You've got every organization is filled with people who believe they are accountable, and yet every one of us can look around and see a need for more accountability.
1: Absolutely. It's so true. But also, accountability is it's also about. Being conscious of your of of what you're doing in your surroundings as well—that's a big part of accountability. It's like being able to step back from your role or your position and say, "Hey, what could I be doing better to be more accountable or to be a better human being?" And that's something—it's like a Zen exercise. It will never end, and I think that's a big part of accountability.
0: You know, uh, you you are spot on with that. In fact. Um, I've been nearly 13 years now with, with partners and leadership, and I can genuinely say I am on at least as steep a learning curve now as I have ever been, maybe more so. <laughs> and I have been working with this simple – and when I say simple, if you, if you recall, there's, a, um, there's a, uh, a quote by Oliver Wendell, Wendell Holmes who said, I wouldn't give a fig – for simplicity on the near side of complexity, but i give my right arm for simplicity on the far side of complexity. And, and when you think about, you know, when you talk about it on the near side, it's, it's superficial. It's, it's so simple. It doesn't mean anything and there's no depth to it. But if I've got, if I've attained simplicity on the far side of complexity, it means I've gone through. It means I have actually paid the price to understand so deeply and to be so well grounded that I can actually communicate so that a child can understand it's, it's, it's remarkable. And so Tom and Roger in their work here and their intense focus on what it means to be personally accountable and how that gets demonstrated in the most positive sense, personally, as a team, as an organization, um, they have, in 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 my estimation cracked the code on how to create positive accountability not just for me personally but how i hold others more accountable in a positive principled way now if you've if you've ever held, been held accountable the wrong way how's that feel
1: Oh well, it's it's one of the worst. It's one of the biggest problems that organizations have is demoral, demoralization because of uh, people feel feel that they're being treated unfairly, for sure.
0: Yeah, it, in fact, one of my colleagues put it this way. She had worked she had worked in um, as a client of ours. She's a colleague now. She's joined us, but she spent uh, about fourteen years implementing our work around accountability. As she was an SVP in a large retail organization and and she was part of that organization for over 20 years and she made an observation and it was the more i pushed on accountability in the old days the less i got the fact is when you do accountability wrong it actually creates less accountability and so getting it right makes all the difference in the world so back to your question bob about the books is there a sequence the Oz Principle is a tremendous first read, and it hits you square between the eyes because you find yourself saying consistently as you read the, the examples and the personal stories in this book: "You're going, oh my gosh, that's me! Oh yeah, I've done that a thousand times. Oh boy, yep, I can see myself right there." But you also get in this book very simple, and back to my my comment about simplicity on the far side of complexity. That's what we have. Uh, come to that's helped crack the code and that's people all over the world have just resonated with. Um, So you've got what we call this model called the steps to accountability. And you've seen this model, I think, Bob, but it's split in the middle by a line and there's above the line and below the line below the line. It's all the reasons why we can't get things done. We can't get results. We call it the blame game. There's always someone or something that's actually in my way and preventing me from getting results. Above the line, we have what we call the steps to accountability, which are see it, own it, solve it, and do it. Very simple, very pragmatic. And the it are the results. So see it. Uh, What's the reality I most need to acknowledge? What am I not seeing? Who should I be speaking with? Is there something that I have assumed to be a certain way that I might be off on? Whose perspective do I need? Those are all questions to help me see it, what I may not be seeing. Because if you can't see it, how are you going to own, solve, and do it? See it's the first step. Then own it. You know, What's my contribution? You can see something and, and not own it, right? Oh, absolutely. It's so like someone yeah. could say, man, somebody ought to pick that up. Someone's going to trip over that. (laughs) I'm not going to do it. It's not my job, but somebody should. Companies today are filled with people who are able to see it. In fact, I was on a phone call with about 30 people recently. They were leaders in an organization, and uh, we're discussing a particular issue, and one of the senior vice presidents says this, you guys, we've been seeing it for years, and we've done nothing about it. And it's just this reality. So the see it, own it, solve it, do it, these steps to accountability, the, the fact is, Bob, everyone in every organization is coming to work and doing something. Sometimes it's not helping. Some of what's being done is actually getting in the way because it's not the right thing or the best thing. So the steps to accountability is a very simple construct a framework that people get immediately, and it helps them be much more intelligent about what they end up doing. And key to that is the awareness around how do I not get stuck below the line, looking at um, who or what is getting in my way that's preventing me. So it's really a mindset shift here, and this is one of the one of the biggest drivers and levers that organizations use through our our work with them to help shift an organization's emphasis. You know, you can look at you can look at what we call a culture of accountability. Uh, culture is just the way people think and act to get things done. A culture of accountability is a workplace culture where people take accountability to think and act in the manner necessary to achieve results, to see it, own it, solve it, and do it. So we've got a number of tools. The Oz Principle book focuses squarely on me, my awareness of where I may be operating below the line and not even knowing it, and how I can more quickly adjust and move above the line more quickly than I would in the past. And when that happens, my results always improve. So so the Oz principle hits that. The wisdom of Oz is kind of the marketplace version, um, the everybody version of the Oz principle. The Oz Principles is definitely a business book. The Wisdom of Oz is a general public book that hits the same principles, but not much more story-driven, many more personal stories. The Oz Principles is all business. The Wisdom of Oz is the kind of book when somebody reads it, immediately they feel like, can I get one of these for my teenager? Oh, every time, if <laughs> they've got teenage <laughs> kids or even adult kids in their 20s, the first the first question almost always is, "Man, I, I can I get a couple copies of these for my for my kids? Because it's a quick read, it's half the size, uh, it's written to a lower grade level, and it's easily consumable. In fact, many organizations in reading both feel like we want to send the wisdom of Oz out in and mass to our people because. It is a quicker, more of a fun read, the one that people take more personally. So both of those, when that is the emphasis. Now, the book titled Change the Culture, Change the Game, that title itself is descriptive of uh, what organizations feel happens when they identify what needs to shift in their culture. Again, that's just the way people think and act. What What are people thinking here? That's not working for us. For example, uh, we call ourselves a global company, but uh, who are we kidding? We're an American company. Decisions are just thrown over the wall, over the pond, and that happens. So if people are believing that over in Asia or Europe or Latin America, um, is that going to impact the way they interact and perform? What do we want them thinking instead? Well, we say we're a global company and we mean it and we operate like one, then there's no question. We're creating experiences for ourselves and our customers that clearly demonstrate and create the understanding that we are a global company. Well, what does that look like? What does it need to look like? How do we shift those beliefs that exist? That's some heavy lifting. And we are really good at helping a leadership team accelerate making those shifts. You can't just tell people what to do. You know, you can tell them, bribe them, or force them, but ultimately, we know that's not an effective, sustainable <laughs> leadership approach. But that's what that's what we we often do. We tell them when that doesn't work, we find some incentive or so, some way to bribe them. <laughs> when that doesn't work, we pull position power and force them, and you know that's that's not effective leadership. We need to lead them. How do you do that? Well, that's our other model. I mentioned the steps to accountability. Another model is called the Results Pyramid. Very simple, four words on a pyramid, experiences at the base, foster beliefs, beliefs drive actions, and actions produce results. So that Change the Culture, Change the Game book, when an organization needs to change the culture, that book, which also includes the Steps to Accountability, is really powerful. Most CEOs... Most CEOs, because of the, the nature of the way they have to look at their own organizations, tend to gravitate toward change the culture, change the game. Now, the, the, other, the other book before we get to fix it is How Did That Happen? which is the other side of the accountability coin. The Oz principle addresses my personal accountability. How did that happen uh, addresses what we call um, holding others accountable in a more positive, principled way to enable you to actually deliver on the expectations that are held of you, and naturally you depend on others to do that. We call that the expectations chain. So everyone in that chain that helps me deliver on my key expectations, how do I ensure I'm holding them accountable in a way that actually delivers the result and, and isn't putting me below the line by telling, bribing, or forcing them and creating the the wrong experience for others in the way they experience accountability with my leadership. So all those books, you know, really you could you could take any one of them up. There's no necessary sequence to them. Fix it now. That's our topic, actually. <laughs> Fix it <laughs> is, and you know they, these books all they, they they work together as a system to to help an individual or an organization really operate above the line more of the time. And Fix It is a fascinating book because uh, we produced, we conducted a an accountability workplace study. And the, the Fix It book is actually based around that research and the data collected from it. So over the course of um, two, three years, we conducted this accountability workplace study with over 40,000 respondents globally uh in the professional workplace and the output of that um that study is really captured in this book fix it but in a very digestible way and fix it implies there's something wrong right (laughs) that needs fixing and certainly we we uh we feel that way it's uh you know, the title, it is it is an imperative. We feel strongly about it. Something needs to happen now. So uh, you tell me, Bob, would it be useful to kind of uh, walk through the way the book's laid out and how you consume it?
1: Well, we're going to get into that in a second, but I wanted to backtrack a little bit because, <clears throat> you know, that was a whole heck of a lot of information. So for, for our... our our listening uh, audience, would they get away, and I use that word in its real sense, would they get away with just jumping straight into Fix It and doing the advice, or would they end up not getting as effective um, a result from Fix It if they hadn't read at least one of the other books to get their head around the principle? Do you, do you cover the principle at the very, very beginning? I mean, it, it's more, you kind of get, you get it it. it, it it's the whole principle of all these books is be conscious of where you are, and once you've got that figured out, be conscious of where your company is, or uh, where your division is within a company, or if you're in a high leadership role, the CEO, where your company's going and why. And if you don't have that figured out, this book has very little value for you because you're going to be fixing stuff and you don't know why it's broken or you're fixing it but yet you're not inside the formula which i feel is one of the biggest problems where you have you know um reorganizing a company or or getting people to uh learn and evolve that's all good for everybody else i'm the ceo i don't have to do that because i built this company for the last 35 years and hey I, i i'm above those rules that's that's not the way to do it, really the CEO has to like get it, do his own training in, in, in a fundamental way and then just start talking about it and then saying, hey guys, this is the new direction for the company and everybody from the top down is going to learn this. Um, but if you don't have that part, then the fix it book really, I mean, you can try, but it's not going to be as effective uh, unless you, you really have got that part figured out.
0: Yeah, that, that, those, are, those are great comments. Clearly, creating alignment at the top of an organization is powerful. And, uh, Bob, we both know plenty of leaders, plenty of CEOs who believe that they didn't get where they are by being knuckleheads, and <laughs> they've got things pretty well figured out, And uh, but they're looking for something that they can use to fix the employees with. Yeah, exactly. Right? And we know that there's a huge hole when that mindset exists. And it's part of our opportunity in our, in our work to provide that kind of candid coaching to a CEO. And we do that week in and week out. Um, there's more than one time I've, I've sat across from a CEO and, and been sharing observations that the CEO may not like hearing. And I found myself saying something like, "You know this is what you've hired me for, what you've hired us for, and I need you to to put on your your steps to accountability hat here and realize that this is not to be taken personally. This is feedback that can fuel your success and effectiveness, or you can um, you can take it personally." And let it get in the way and go hunting for people, which you think would serve you better. And, you know, they typically acknowledge that. And my experience is uh, leaders, most leaders, by far the majority, are grateful for and actually want that because, you know what, most CEOs do not have someone in the organization that's willing to be perfectly open and candid with them in an above-the-line way and they have huge blind spots and i can't tell you how many how many leaders the next level or two down have come to me uh quietly confidentially can you help the ceo with this can you help them see this they don't and they start articulating all the all the blind spots the ceo has but they don't dare share them (laughs) candidly and so they rely on us and that's part of our job frankly to do that in a way and become trusted advisors but more importantly than that, um, the process and part that you've described, Bob, is really useful and powerful. Yes, um, could, could you benefit by being steeped in change the culture, change the game, the use of the models, the results pyramid, the steps to accountability, the accountability sequence model, and have all that under your belt? Of course. But Fix It is also designed as a standalone book whether you had experience with all that or not, we believe that um, a leader would find tremendous value here. And here's why: because the book is is based on the accountability workplace study, um, there are 16 accountability traits. We've called them uh, in the Fixit book. They're called the accountability traits. We also refer to them as uh, best practices. So they're th- and they're broken down. On the four, along with the four categories of the steps to accountability, see it, own it, solve it, and do it. So, so as you read it, you start to get a, uh, um, you know, this book. What's interesting about this book, Bob, is that you can read it in one of three different ways, depending on: do you want to? Are you trying to fix it for yourself? Are you trying to fix it for your team, or your organization? And depending on which of those you want to focus your attention and efforts on, is how you'd read the book. And it takes you down slightly different paths to do so. And the difference is primarily in the examples you're reading. So, you know, the subtitle of the book is uh, 240 Solutions to Your Toughest Business Problems. So we have 120 executives that were actually interviewed. And these are all real stories, real practices used by individual leaders to fix either themselves or their team or their organization. So if I decide I'm going to just, I just want to work on my own ability to lead and to fix things for me, I'm going to read this book. I'm going to choose that path. And the book easily helps me just kind of chart through it along that path. And I'm going to get get into these 16 accountability traits for this, for see it. Here are the four. I'll just share these four with you. Obtaining the perspectives of others is one. Communicating openly and candidly is another. Asking for and offering feedback is a third. And the final one is hearing and saying the hard things to see reality. Now, those four accountability traits we think enable a leader if they can they can demonstrate and get better at those four things their ability to lead others um, can go up dramatically and the book has a lot of examples of leaders doing just that so we think this is the kind of book that you can pick up multiple times you can read for a few minutes the way the book charts you start off let's say you pick the path to, to fix it for myself. You do a quick assessment at the front of the book along these 16, and you choose, uh, for example, the four I just described for see it. You would say, now, when I consider myself in these four traits, which one am I doing pretty well, which one needs work, and which one is a must fix? And you actually – there's a visual in the book, and you can actually assign it to one of those three buckets. And you go down through the list of all 16 of these, and you make a self-assessment, and you say, "Okay, um, the ones I want to focus on are the must-fix. I've got, I've got to fix these, or it's hurting our business, or it's hurting me professionally, personally. So it's, I've got to fix it." You know, people tell me I am unwilling to hear any hard news. Therefore, no one wants to come to me with reality, and I'm not seeing reality. So I got to fix that. I heard, I've gotten the feedback, I understand that, I don't know what to do about it, I want to fix it. Okay, you put that in your fix-it bucket, and then you go and you, and you read about that trait, and we take the data from our study, we give case study, we give examples of leaders in that real situation, and we define for you what, um, what hearing and saying the hard things to see reality really means. So you get grounded in what that accountability trait is all about. And from there, if you're working on yourself, when you get to the end of that section, defining that accountability trait, it directs you to the next page later in the book in section three, and you will read about executives, leaders, and organizations who worked on that exact trait to fix it for themselves. Now, that's how the book's laid out. So whether it's yourself or your team or your organization, you're going to get, um, very uh, spot-specific, both examples and direction. Or you're going to hear about what what a number of leaders did for themselves or their team or their organization to fix that particular trait or the, you know, where it's not working in the organization.
1: Yeah, it's one of the remarkable things about this book is how clever it is at. Um... Basically guiding you through the book to the right section incredibly efficiently, and like a lot of times when I'm talking to business people about business books, is well I'd read a business book, but I just don't have time. And then if I plunk this book, which is you know literally two inches thick, it's a almost a almost 400 pages, and the average business book I'm getting is 250, so twice the size of mm-hmm. a business book. They would go, I don't have time to read this, but if you just take Ten minutes to look at the way the content and the plan that you guys was probably spent a lot of time and energy trying to figure out. It's probably one of the most efficient business books that I've ever yeah. come across. And I trust me, I've got, I've looked at a lot of business books. <laughs> really, it, it's the book itself. It's worth buying just to see how they organize getting you to the data you need to do. I mean. I would use this technique in the guidebook of how a person should run in my company. I mean, it, it, it's it's brilliant. I mean, it's it's a fundamental tip that has really you're not trying to uh, communicate that. It's just you're just living what you're saying. You're not being hypocritical to say, look at you know we see. Where the problem is, so one of the problems is getting the person to the right page as efficiently as possible. So you've gone ahead and actually probably spent a tremendous amount of time and energy doing that.
0: Totally, and, I, and you get that. And if you look at it on the shelf, yeah, it looks like a pretty big book, but when you, 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 I mean, 240 solutions. But the reality, we've got listed in here the names of the leaders that contributed. There's 120 of them. And uh, a good number of them are CEOs, and we've got from uh, you know large and small companies a lot alike, public and private. You, you know the you know many of these organizations. What's powerful here is this is this is not necessarily our prescription of what to do. It is getting clarity and grounding on accountability traits, and this is the work that we've done for nearly 30 years. And so there's a lot of stuff you could talk about. We've whittled it and honed it to its essence. These 16 traits, um, we've done assessments. We've done all kinds of work. Imagine getting over 40,000 respondents to give data uh, to this. And so uh, I I walked through the the four accountability traits for see it. Um, For own it, we have being personally invested, Learning from both successes and failures, ensuring that our work is aligned with the key results of the organization. And then the fourth is acting on the feedback that I receive. You know, going and getting feedback is one skill all its own. And you gotta do that right. But responding to feedback is something entirely different altogether. You probably I, I recall working with a CEO in a former organization I was in. Where I ran worldwide sales, and uh, this CEO would ask for feedback a lot, but nothing changed. <laughs> and quickly, I got to the point where I realized, okay, um, just being efficient myself—either I just tell him what he wants to hear to get rid of him, or I just avoid him. And I literally, it, it, you know, at some some con- subconscious level, I, I'm thinking this, and I'm going, "God, that's not good." And and um, and he would ask, but he genuinely believed whenever he got feedback on something, he either pushed back as to why it wasn't accurate or he said, I'm already doing all that. And so it was really challenging to work with that individual. Well, how, how do you work with someone like that? You're, you're actually hearing in this book examples from leaders about how to address issues for themselves around these traits Okay, am I taking the necessary risks? Do I do what I say I'll do? Am I staying above the line by not blaming others? Do I, do I build and sustain an environment of trust? So those are all um, best practices, accountability traits, and we address every single one of these. So the, the, the first section here is where we actually define what each of these traits really mean. So we, we, we create that grounding and that clarity. And then you move on to say, well, based on myself or my team or my organization, how do we fix when those things aren't working well? And so you can sit here and pick this thing up, and in 10 minutes, you can get a brilliant idea. Just as I've read, as I've reviewed um, these 240 solutions, I find myself going, Oh, man, you know what? I can do that. I should be doing that. And I'm doing this work day in and day out, you know? But like you said earlier, Bob, just because we're exposed to something, even repeatedly, doesn't mean we've mastered it. And you know you've got really solid, uh, sustainable content when you continue to get value time and time again from it. So I mentioned these three models, the results pyramid, the steps to accountability, and the accountability sequence, those three models align with our culture, our personal accountability, and our holding others accountable work. But those three models, as we've used them around the world, they resonate because our belief is it's already in everyone. It resonates so deeply because people get it immediately when they see it. I've shown this, um, this steps to accountability chart above the line, below the line. I remember we were going to hire a media guy to do some work for us a few years ago, and he'd never seen any of this. First time exposed, we're sitting at a conference table. He sees the model in front of him, and he looks at it for just a moment, and he starts to kind of laugh, and he circles the below-the-line area, all the excuses, which are, you know, finger-pointing, it's not my job, confusion, wait and see, et cetera. And he starts circling that with his finger, and he goes, oh, man, all my clients are right here. <laughs> <laughs> So what he's saying, right, I mean, he's being below the line. He's essentially saying, that's my clients. Boy, my clients are a bunch of uh, nuts. And, and he's, he's himself going below the line by essentially saying, without saying much more, all my problems in my business are a result of my goofy clients. We would say that's certainly below the line. Above the line would be we're focused on the result. We're saying, what else can I do to achieve the result? I'm not going to get stuck. It's not that going below the line is bad. It's human nature to go there. What is bad is when we get stuck there and we are not aware that we're there. It's actually a a great place to start because you start to get grounded on the 16 accountability traits, and you hear how leaders have put these into practice over time. And really it's not specific to our work. It's not like every one of these, these uh, executives here, they've, they've all been our clients over the years, but it's not like every example that they use about how they did things was dependent on us. Some of it, you're going to read and just go, boy, common sense, boy, that's, that's walking around. That's being more visible to your people. I mean, there are things that people just get and understand it's how do I demonstrate greater accountability for the, Performance and outcome for my team or me or the organization. That's what it's all about. When we work with companies, Bob, um, our objective is not to show them how great we are. We get in and it's got to be leader led. We actually like to be behind the scenes as much and as quickly as possible. It's not about us, it's about the leaders leading and achieving the necessary results for the organization. We just happen to have a very strong belief that if you can create a workplace culture where people take accountability to think and act in the manner necessary to achieve results, that is always the most effective culture. Well, how do you get there? That's what we do. We help organizations accelerate the shift from where they are to where they need to be. And the fix it book is kind of a, again, based on the workplace study over time, uh, hones in on those practices that can help an individual leader uh, lead themselves or their team or their organization to more consistently demonstrate what accountability looks like in a positive sense. And that always improves results 100% of the time.
1: Well, you know, it's one of those business books that you could buy um, at university (laughs) Uh, when you're going to business school and then spend the next 45 years working for the same company or a bunch of companies and then every six or eight months or every couple of weeks go through the book and the book fundamentally the the, the messages that have been there for the last 15-20 years they have a completely different meaning because you as an individual has evolved enough to get what they're trying to say in a much more succinct way. And it goes all the way back to the beginning of the conversation about simplicity. It's the ability to, to, to understand that we're constantly evolving. And as we evolve, our, uh, our ability to absorb a higher understanding of the same concept um, becomes available to us right so it's not like you read it once book it's a book that you put and it should be dog-eared and it should have marks on it and you should be going back to it again and again and again it's and there's not too many books out there that can do that and this is one of them
0: thank you for that and as I said these books are all connected the Oz principle which was the you know, the first articulation in the marketplace Uh, in a published fashion of the steps to accountability, even though as a firm, we've been using that for a while. um, it, it, It is so simple and fundamental. And in fact, everybody applies, see it, own it, solve it, do it. And you've been doing it your whole life. You may never have seen a framework like this to help you better understand and more quickly and easily apply it. And that's really key here. One of the benefits our clients... Find is they, as as a function of of using these models and tools, are a common language and a mindset that is easy for the organization to adapt and adopt at any and every level. We've got organizations that uh, that license our intellectual property for all their people globally, um, and in you know labor-intensive jobs. And how and and, it, and that's the elegance of the model that I mentioned earlier, above the line, below the line. That language takes off like wildfire. Everybody gets it with very little interpretation. But this entire book, this fix-it book, is, is a is a two-inch tome on those same above-the-line, below-the-line notions. So to your point, Bob, something that is so simple and people get immediately, they can keep using. Uh, throughout their careers. In fact, I we've got a lot of serial CEOs who uh, I can think of a, a handful right off the top of my head who have used us in uh, four or five, even six different organizations. One, in fact, he'd been the CEO of four different organizations, and he made the statement. He said the steps to accountability, where all these 16 accountability traits lie. He said the steps to accountability our basic training for anyone working in my organization. He goes, "I, I, I need them to understand what it means to take personal accountability. Because there's such a, I mean, Bob, in one sense, accountability is the defining issue of our time. Being able to identify what needs to happen and taking accountability without whining, blaming anyone and anything else to make it happen. It's, it's fundamental. We, we all know that the problem is that common sense does not translate into common practice for a host of reasons, but nothing changes until I choose to change. So we've always said that accountability, taking accountability is a personal choice. It's a personal choice to rise above one's circumstances and demonstrate the ownership necessary to achieve desired results, to see it, own it, solve it, do it. And this Fix It book does an excellent job of articulating each of those steps and the the traits of accountability that make up each of those steps. And that is a lifelong pursuit, like you said.
1: I wanted to talk to you a little bit about um, emotional state. And in, in the sense that if you've studied the books and you kind of – you get the theory and you practice the theory and, and you know, let's face it, folks, you're not going to be on the wagon 100% of the time. That's just not real. But, you know, okay, here's an example. You know, it, it's the first time it snowed in Vancouver in about 15 years. I mean, A lot. And I want it there, and it's like, okay, I'm going to shovel the walk. Now, I can be disgruntled about shoveling the walk. Ah, i got to shovel the walk. I can say, hey, this is going to be fun. I haven't done this for 10 years, and get into it. So there I am shoveling the walk and saying, "Hey, this is great. You know, this is good exercise." And try to do, you know, try to do it well and try to learn while I'm shoveling snow, which sounds crazy, but you can do a better job. And then I get out to the sidewalk and I clear it. And I said, "You know what? I think I'll just clear it a little bit more. I'll, I'll think I'll clear my neighbor's thing." And then eventually I ended up, and this is my, I think I'm just going to clear uh, not the whole path, but th- uh, the width of my shovel, the complete block, like 100 and x meters for my mailman. I was highly motivated. I felt great about it. Then it started snowing again. I said, okay, great. Let's do it again. I did it again. I did it four times in 24 hours. And each time it was like, this is, hey, you got to do it. You've made your commitment. You you said you were going to do this. And now it's a responsibility. So it changed from, hey, this is a fun game to like, okay, now I've got to be consistent. And I think that's one of the big things that people have to understand. It's like, look, you can read the book and go all rah-rah about it, but you've got to understand that you have to fundamentally get your at home where you're emotionally attached to doing what you're doing because that's the only thing that's going to drive you for the long time.
0: Yeah, that's excellent. That's really good. You know, I, uh, my colleague and co-author here, Tracy Skousen, made this comment uh, I mentioned he's been in the company about 20 years and I, I 13, but when I first joined, I remember Tracy saying this and it's stuck with me. He said, when do you become accountable for something? And his, and this is the emotional side of this, Bob said, when the thought first enters your mind, (laughs) then you have a choice to make, right? And accountability. If you have this thought that, you know, I could I could do this and okay, I'm going to I'm gonna shovel this for the mailman as well. And then it snows again, you could go, Yeah, you know what, I did it once, I'm not gonna do it again, but you you already kinda of put it out there and you said, I'm gonna keep this, I'm gonna clear this out. So the mailman's got a clear path here as well. And you you made yourself accountable for that. It's really hard to make somebody else accountable. Now I can force someone to take an action, right? You could, you could, as a parent or somebody's boss, you can force something to happen. But we, we understand the implications uh, of sustainability there. I can, I can have my teenage son, uh, you know, room clean, and I can <laughs> say, you know what? Okay, I'm tired of seeing this room like this, Justin. If this room is not clean, forget it. You're not going to the game tonight. And he may go, okay, fine. I'll clean the dumb room. Why do you care? It's my room. I like it this way, et cetera, et cetera. And he can clean it. He'll get it cleaned. But is that really my objective? Is my objective to have a clean room and a son who's upset and angry with me? And what's going to happen when I'm not around? Of course it's not going to be clean. So leadership is not about tell them, bribe them, or force them. It's about people making personal choices to take accountability to get the result so that naturally leads us to if you want to create uh, accountability if you want to create a culture of accountability on a team in an organization in a home it begins with clearly defined results that helps answer the why questions and and frankly that's a lot of low-hanging fruit and it is a lot would you would you believe bob that nine out of ten and I'm, and I may be generous here. <laughs> Nine out of ten executive teams cannot uniformly articulate what their top three key results are for the organization. Yeah, it's more like nineteen out of twenty can't do it.
1: <laughs> yeah, and just for one, just just tell us one thing that you think is really important.
0: Well, and in, in most organizations will say, oh yeah, well we got to hit this revenue. Uh, you know, I mean it's it's a really common experience for us to. Um, in fact, one in particular, I, I'm, I'm speaking with the CEO of a large health plan with, you know, 15,000 employees. And I say, uh, what are your key results for the coming year? And he goes, well, what are your top three? And he said, well, it would be revenue, membership, and um, employee engagement. And I said, great. Specifically, what are the measures? Well, revenue, we've got to do this. Uh, membership, we're supposed to be here, but we're, we're tracking way shy of that. In fact, we've already communicated to the board that we're not going to hit that. And then employee engagement, we're working on it. Um, we're, we're retooling how that looks, but it's kind of been here, and we think it needs to be here. And I said, okay, well, let me ask you, what percentage of your executive team will give me those same three and the same me- metrics? And he goes, oh, it'll, it'll be high. Uh, it better be. <laughs> he, said, he goes, uh, you know, I've been CEO here for two years. I talk about this all the time. So I interviewed all nine members of the executive team and no two of them gave me the same three. Now, how how well do you expect the rest of that organization to be taking accountability to make those three key results reality for the year? The senior team doesn't even know, they're folks who are steering the ship. So that's why we call this low-hanging fruit. It's not complicated but it does require some focused effort. Part of our work as a, as a consulting firm is to help leadership teams hone in on what's most important. This fix-it book also helps you do that. Anytime you're working above the line, you're clear on the outcome you're looking for. And then the question you brought up earlier in our conversation, you're constantly asking the question, what else can I do? to achieve the result. Well, if you don't know the result, nobody's asking that question. What are you working on instead? Task list, what I happen to think is most important, or it's five o'clock and I'm out of here. Don't ask me to do anything else. So when you look at this over tens of thousands or hundreds of thousands of employees, which many organizations or clients have, and you start multiplying the time spent below the line I had one leader, 10,000 people in this organization, he said to me as we introduced these 16 uh, accountability traits and we talked about being above and below the line, on a break, he comes over to me and he says, you know, Marcus, I've just been doing some back-of-the-envelope thinking here, and he said, my guess is that we lose four to 5,000 man-hours a week in, in below-the-line activity. Now, that's not showing up on a spreadsheet anywhere but does that have an impact on the performance of the organization? There's no question. So part of the objective in this fix it book, whether it's for you or a team and you're, you're the most important one, right? I mean, the most important person to get above the line is me. I saw a guy with a t-shirt on recently. It said, it said, change is good. You go first. (laughs) Yeah. And so the fix it book is designed to help you understand what it is you can fix about yourself and then look at your team and your organization. And if we can get more people in the organization operating above the line, more of the time, it will always improve results. 100% of the time we've built our business on it. So we feel strongly about it in this book. We think whether you read it in conjunction with the other works or standalone and it's your first entry, uh, you're going to find tremendous value in in the solutions here and the real examples not not um this isn't role playing these are actual leaders talking about what they did that was successful and many of them you'll read and go wow i can do that i can do that today that's where this book is so powerful
1: yeah and and you know what um one of the things i've i've the way i describe you know why somebody should pay X amount of money to have somebody come in with lots of experience is because you're paying for hindsight. You, you hire people that have done it before because they know the problems are going to happen because there's no such thing as a, as a perfect solution. They know they're going to happen you know, days or hours or months before they actually happen so they can tell you to plan for it. And that's what's amazing about this book is you can look and, and learn from other leaders and say, wow, you know, this sounds a lot like what I'm going through right now. And, oh, my gosh, I've got a big red flag that I didn't even know was coming up, coming up. Let's start planning for that. So when it does happen, because it always does, it's not a huge, huge fire you're dealing with. It's just a little bump in the road and people, well, that wasn't so bad. Yes, but be conscious of why and then. Continue, continue.
0: I think that's that's a great insight, Bob. It's the prevention over the cure, right? If you can if you can see it coming, and you can mitigate it beforehand, you can lessen the severity of the blow if there's going to be one, or eliminate it altogether, which is what we're suggesting here.
1: Well, exactly, but it's also. If you if you're finding or're discovering in your organization or in your department that you're being swamped or you're being tsunamied or whatever metaphor you want to use every now and again, whether it's every week or every month or every year, then you have a fundamental hindsight problem. So hire somebody that has been in that scenario or read books about people that have been in that scenario to learn from their, past mistakes or their past solutions or whatever, so you see them coming. So you can't just be putting out little brush fires. you got to be thinking long-term or you're never going to get anywhere.
0: Yeah, absolutely right.
1: Anyways, um, people are going to go out, they're going to get the book, they know where to get it, but if they want to reach out to you guys or they want to learn more, is there a particular blog, because you guys have got a ton of information out there, that they should focus on?
0: Well, we'd say probably the place to start where you're going to find Information on that and a number of other things, including an accountability community, is um, the Partners in Leadership website. Uh, There, you're going to find all kinds of uh, discussion opportunities. We have folks that have actually been certified as facilitators within licensed organizations, and there's, there's thousands and thousands of them, tens of thousands, out in the marketplace, and they have their own community. That uh, talk about applications of all of these things that we've been discussing. Um, so I'd say uh, get to the Partners in Leadership website and from there explore. Start anywhere, go everywhere. And uh, certainly we're here to serve uh, leaders and organizations in in ways that are meaningful to you. And we're we're ready to uh, to receive any reach out and requests that you have about how to do that. And we are not, you know, we don't, we don't do cookie cutter stuff. We're not off the shelf. We do have some processes that have been proven over time to be very effective, but they are most effective when they are applied to the unique circumstances of a leader or a leadership team or the organization within the context of its industry and its marketplace and the challenges competitively and otherwise. So, when we talk about a culture of accountability, Bob, it is, what is it we need people in the organization being more accountable for? So, you know, we don't prescribe what that is. And so with that definition in mind, it's, it's remarkably robust and broad. One last little story here. I was working with a service division of a, a large computer company in their laptop division. And they've been trying to move the needle on net promoter score for years. Never hit their target. And so the leader, rather than trying to identify the top three key results, said, "There's just one that I'm really keen on us taking accountability for. Um, we're, you know, we're not not looking at everything else in our business. But boy, can we get our arms around this NPS score that's been biting at our heels forever, and we've never accomplished it?" So they did that, and within one quarter, for the first time ever, they exceeded the NPS score because this leader drove from his own leadership. But beyond that, he helped the team get their arms around a common language and a common mindset to what it means to take accountability, and they, they shot above. And that's, it, it, it was a really fascinating and rewarding experience that they had and again, I mentioned we, we built our business on this. Uh, we've worked in well over 100 countries, thousands of clients. You'd know the majority of our client list. Uh, they're, they're organizations and names that you know and are familiar with. And uh, to see what they do and, and how they do it with these simple tools, but helping people do what they know is, is right and more useful but often the, the actual culture of my team or the organization, the way things have always been done, that in itself is getting in the way. Or the actual leader. You know, the stats show that the number one reason people leave their job is because they don't like their boss. So if we could actually, as individual leaders, get better at holding others accountable, imagine the impact just in that alone. So all, all of these Totally, all of these things work together. It's it's robust. It's broad work. It's the unique application to your scenario, your leadership, your situation that our expertise comes to bear, as a, 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 by virtue of our working with executive teams week in and week out as a firm, we have a unique perspective on effective leadership. What what patterns and habits we see among executive teams among CEOs that, like you mentioned earlier, we've got hindsight and we have foresight that we can bring in a very focused manner to help leaders lead more effectively. And that's what Fix-It really is all about.
1: Wow. You know what? We've gone a little long, but it was worth every second, folks. So we've been chatting about Fix-It, getting accountability right. 240 Solutions to Your Toughest Business Problems, and I'm just going to put a little note on the end of there, and they're easy to find because uh, the the value of this book isn't just only the amazing amount of knowledge in it. It's the ease of which you can get to it, and for busy executives, that is worth the price of the book right there. I've been chatting with Marcus, and um, he was one of the, the five authors that put this book together, So go out there, check it out. You won't be disappointed. Marcus, thanks for coming on the show. It was awesome.
0: Yes, Bob. Excellent conversation. I really enjoyed it. Thank you very much. Thanks for listening. Please share this interview if you think your network of business friends would benefit from it. Don't forget to subscribe to the show on iTunes or your favorite Android app. Also, Don't forget to check out www.businessbooktalk.com for more business book interviews.